Hey everybody, this is Todd from the Guitar Knobs. I uh, just want to let you know, this is part one of a two-part series with Echo Park Guitars. Our entire interview went almost two hours, so I figured I'd uh, break it up into two pieces for us. So we're going to hear some amazing stories from these guys. It was fantastic listening to them, and we're hanging on every word. Uh, you're going to learn an awful lot about uh, where where his uh, humble beginnings were uh, with Mr. Leo Fender himself. So enjoy the show. Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon. Brandon Wilhelm, Pick Oaks. Hey, it is me, Todd Novak. We are super happy that you are listening to our little podcast, The Guitar Knobs. We are thrilled to be here today. We are excited to talk about guitar stuff. We hope you've had an awesome uh, guitar stuff week or whatever. And uh, we've got a humongoid show. It's going to be, look, guys, this is going to be a little bit longer. I can guarantee, but it's yeah. going to be great. Awesome. Uh, we're really excited to have in our little part of the world, our little studio here in Columbus, Ohio, Echo Park Guitars and Amplifiers. So who are you? I'm Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah. And you make Echo Park Guitars, yes? I, that's what they say. Okay. Yeah. And then who do we, who, who's who's alongside of you here? My name's Eric. Eric. And I build the amplifiers for Gabriel. There you go. And other people that want to play them. Right on. So this is uh, Echo Park Guitars and Amplifiers, um, maybe a lesser known amplifiers, but we're going to get into that. I think, you know, obviously you're known for your guitars and that's what we're going to spend a lot of time on. But I think it's worth enlightening everybody about not only your amplifiers, but your pedals, too, Ah, yes. yep. which we have in front of us. And hey, everybody, we've got an announcement towards the end of the show that we are very excited about. So. Just want to remind you that we are broadcasting our show on Rode microphones. Rode was kind enough to give us the awesome Procaster microphone and equipment. <laughs> Thank you, Gabriel. And uh, we are just so grateful for that. Um, it keeps the show going, and hopefully you guys have heard a great improvement on our sound. The best. <laughs> As he says it. So thank you, Rode Microphones. We want to take a moment to thank Reverb for the support of the show and for being a champion of the boutique guitar, pedal, amp, and gear brands out there. Thank Many you. of whom, <laughs> those of us who would who love to buy and sell gear, would have never come across. And for those who are building the gear, who may never have had a big enough stage to sell their products and grow their brand, like Gabriel. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks reverb we greatly appreciate it all of us guitar nuts out there so gentlemen did you briefly what's going on in our music world this week i'm gonna start with eric um, oh, microphone son let's see uh actually some sad news uh my friend uh went to see robin trower the other night in baltimore and uh about an hour into the show they took him off in an ambulance and oh geez uh, what yeah i heard that yeah, this was two days ago. Um, so he uh, he's uh, got the flu. Oh, so okay. uh, hopefully that's all it is. All right. Canceled like three days. Oh, because Trower was huge, huge, huge deal to me as a, as a kid, and still to this day he he rocks, man. That's and so hopefully he's well get better. He's Robin doing Trower. well. Yeah, Excellent. that's a little news. Okay, while we got the mic over there, let's go to Jared. Uh, this week I got to enjoy my new pedal called the Fettle Boost. Yes. And 
it's it was done by Champion Lecky. Wooly, our new buddy, does a fantastic job building these pedals. I love the different colored underwear that ex- <laughs> that's it's exploding. Yellow in the front, brown in the back. Yeah, that's right. It's not exploding underwear like that. It's there's an explosion out and of which many pairs of underwears have. Right, this. different color underwear and yeah, all that kind shot of shot out of. It's like it's cartoon underwear, so it's funny. So huh. I've it tr- <laughs> the pedal was at the house. You just saw. That's good. But uh, anyway, it's a great sounding pedal, great artwork. I love the thing. And I'm not really a big pedal guy like everybody else in the world seems to be. You like little pedals. But I, <laughs> but this is a little pedal. Because he only has a size 14 foot. That's right. But uh, it's it's worth it. I love the pedal. It's a great uh, great addition to my little collection I have. So he's got these. He's got His theme is like the underwear. I don't It's. I saw it. That's a it great was, episode. Hey, everybody, if you haven't heard the I saw his underwear episode, please download it. It is a hoot. My personal favorite. It's one of his one of the favorites of the funny, fans man. out there. Tony, it's what's funny. going on? Well, this week, holy moly, all kinds of things. Pick so one. I'm gonna do two. Pick two quickly. I'll pick two quickly. We got a long show, man. <laughs> <sighs> Can't rush genius, you know. So anyhow, I'm on a quest. I don't know why, but I'm 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 on a quest for inexpensive pickups. Okay. And I found some. Um, to through- clarify, you're looking for inexpensive, unique pickups. Unique looking like gold foils. Yes, like gold foils, for okay. instance. Okay. All right. Yeah. So my good friends at All Parts have started stocking a couple of different things that I've brought in today. Uh, a couple of gold foils, and also a Hoffner Staples style pickup. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, and I just brought it, got them. They came in a day or two ago. I'm going to take them out, put them in a, a telly that I've got scooped out that I can put different pickups in. Awesome. And, uh, we'll have a full report on inexpensive pickups, but more importantly today in the mail, thank you, Amazon, uh, my copy of Pink Floyd, all the songs, the story behind every track. Crazy. That's killer. That this book is like that's the, about four inches tall, right there. It's it's, book, it's the Pink Floyd thick, Bible. Not tall. I was looking at that. That's and it a goes, lot to have to read. It man. goes. I mean, it goes track album by album, track by track, single by single, and basically tells you who played what. What they played, guitar wise and drums and whatever. That had really to cool. take like and, twenty years to put oh, together. I, I can't even imagine the amount of work that went into this. The source then to find out really what's going on. Apparently there. so. Apparently so. They they did try to I guess source out as much of this as possible. But it's just really cool. There's a lot of little tidbits and That's facts cool and book. things. Um, I if you, if you have a chance, if you're a Pink Floyd, even if you're not a Pink Floyd fan. It's just a really good. I just I can't wait to really dig into it and start reading it all the way through. That's you can amazing. knock somebody out with that thing. It's huge. No, oh, but, yeah. but that's really cool. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I grew up in, in the seventies, and it's like they were they were huge. They were gargantuan. But I, I was kind of at the age where punk rock came in, and uh, Pink Floyd cut. They were a little bit, you know, too bell bottom for me and stuff, and and uh, and I wasn't yet really a player. So it's like as I've grown up. Um, I was just talking to Charlie Starr about this this last week, and we were talking about, like, David Gilmore. It's just like you go, where is his resource for taste? Because it's unlike anybody else. And you talk about tasty guitar playing. Oh, yeah. It oh. gets no better. When you sit there and you yeah. play that stuff, you just go, like, he was so tasty, man. He's after stuff, man. Yeah. Much like my friend here. It's just like notes were meant to be every note matters there's yeah. no there's no kind of like mismatching kind of thing here about what's going on there and it's just like 
Where'd that come from? What did he listen to, uh, to, to get that? Because he defined taste, you know, in many ways uh, for that kind of music. And it's a uh, pretty amazing. That's a really cool book. Yeah. I was really, I saw it in uh, vintage guitar magazine. They did a review of it and I just said, you know, I got to get that. And then, and why to add, talk about effects. Yeah. The, yeah. the dude pioneered. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Hendrix was, was key, but he, he was the gateway drug. But but uh, no, you know yeah. Gilmore. Gilmore was the, yeah. the, but the, even you know the first the probably yeah. almost yeah. half of the book. There's a lot of stuff about Sid Barrett even before Gilmore came yeah, on yeah, board. Totally. And uh, you know he he was doing some pretty cutting edge stuff too. And I didn't realize oh. that he was doing all the guitar work. I'm done. You're done. Okay, cool. I'm done. <laughs> Gabriel, <laughs> grab that mic. Hi, hi. What's going on in your music world this week, bud? I was talking to my friends at the music hall downtown in Detroit and we're putting on the music week. They somehow asked me to help them, which I don't know how that happened, but um, there's a fashion show in June that Saks Fifth Avenue is putting on and they asked me to help them put it on. Oh, that's, that's wild. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, Totally out of left field. Um, so I, I I was texting Jesse Hughes from Eagles of Death Metal. Yeah. I said, hey, you know, uh, Joe can't do it because he's on tour with the vampires, and, and Jackson can't do it because he's on a tight schedule too. Joe. A, Joe Perry. Perry. Yeah. And Jackson. Brown. Brown. Um, and they, 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 you know, I got in touch with them, and because I asked them first, hey, it's like a gala event, sure, and that kind of thing. And uh, I've never done any, anything like this, so it's kind of interesting. Sure. They would even, <laughs> like, <laughs> allow me in the room, you know, yeah. kind of thing. So I I said, uh, hey, Jesse, you know, there's a thing with Saks Fifth Avenue and runway models. And uh, he That's said... That's all you had to say. <laughs> he said... And the text thing, I got this text in, the, like, four, five o'clock in the morning. Okay. Yes. And uh Okay, we'll 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 handle that. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. F yes, yes. F and yes. F and yes. I said, okay, cool. So I called Vince over at the hall and uh and so we're working on that. But this week in music, yesterday yes. was the anniversary of both Leo Fender and Sunhouse. Sunhouse and oh. Leo Fender share a birthday and Sunhouse is buried. Two blocks from my home wow. in Detroit. And Leo Fender is, of course, my alma mater and ex-boss and everything to me. Yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit. So that yesterday was a, was a quiet celebration in my mind. That's cool. Yeah, that is cool. And in yeah. my heart. And uh, this, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's what's going on this awesome. week. Todd, how about yes. you? What's been going on yeah. in your music? What's up, man? I have been playing musical chairs on my pedal board. I've had a lot of pedals in the house, um, and one of which sitting in front of us here, the uh, the Echo Park. Uh, now this is sort of a, but kind of a range master kind of a thing. Yeah. What now? What are we calling this? FQ12. The FQ12. So I am a sucker for rotary dials, and this has got a gargantuan rotary dial on it which i really love and it made it easy to distinguish the tones i think that was the big key because i think maybe one of the faults of a standard kind of range master is 
trying to find that sweep and just going like, where is it? Where is it? Too exactly too many subtleties. And this kind of like puts you on the, you know, stand on this dot for a second and just figure out where the rest of your tone is coming in between your guitar and your amp. So I found that extremely helpful. It's two big giant knobs and it's got a boost to it. Um, and, uh, and then what the toggle, you want to explain the toggle real quick? So the, the way the pedal works is basically it's, it's two independent, um, sections. One is a boost. One is a boost that's based on the LTV one, which is probably one of the earliest boost kind of, um, uh, units available. Okay. And uh, so what I did was I took and I uh, just kind of changed a couple of the values to make it very unity so that it didn't affect the tone of the amp or the guitar signal coming into the unit. Right. Because I don't like things to, to, to color. I like things to really just kind of do their job yeah. and not and not affect. We talk about that a lot on the show, That's actually. Well That's something that we're very keen to. That's well put. Yeah, I didn't want it to affect anything, and I wanted to eat the, the, the notch filter section to do its job independently. So so at first it was a, a, a unit that was uh, just operated by one pedal, and you had two, you know, you had a unity gain, Mm-hmm. knob and the 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 notch filter right and um you know it's got a uh, it's got a uh, an inductor in there so you can go between a half coil and a full coil yep and that's, six, yeah, that's right that's six positions that's right which gives you 12 actual you know filtering uh notches to go through it's and, a blast to play with yeah and and the boost can actually like on the on the front end of like a small single ended amp can really like kick it into like yeah. martial territory if you wanted to yeah but but by itself it just does its own thing so it was developed with with uh, Jack Douglas and Josh Homley during some recording sessions I just had this idea and I I ran it by them both and they said yeah you know and uh, as it I was gonna actually do it as an API unit. You know, just for recording purposes, and it just turned into a guitar pedal along the way. That's, so. this, was, this was all done pre-Russian collusion. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I tell you what, it looks like it came off a World War II battleship or something. I mean, it it, it really is, does. It, it's it, it it looks like whatever it's going to do, you're going to inflict some damage. When I first saw that pedal, uh, Gabriel explained to me, and he demoed that pedal to me. It doesn't get any better than the person that designed the pedal sure. shows you the pedal. Sure. So that that was yeah. a real pleasure. So again, big announcement at the end of the show. Everybody that's right. What is it? Baby. What is the announcement well, at the end of the show? What is the announcement? So anyway, so that's what I was doing, <laughs> playing around with that pedal, and really, really dug it. So one, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. Gabriel. Give me your four on the floor. The Roland Chorus Ensemble was probably the first dual pedal of its kind in that it had a vibrato section and a chorus section, and it actually sounded like what today would be the equivalent of like a roto vibe or that kind of thing. Okay. You know, and it just had this marvelous analog decay and just swirliness that you just... Still to this day, I... I 
I, 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 I can't find anything that really works like that. So I used to, I used to, when I was recording, I used to do uh, two Princetons with the vibrato set at different rates Ooh, with a little bit of chorus right, on it. Yeah. And, and it replicated that like just amazingly. And, and uh, so that is my number one. My number two is a Ross distortion, the brown ones. If you can find okay. one, get it. One. Yeah, the Ross distortion basically just had, uh, you know, overdrive and level. And uh, and it had a big old plug. Yeah, on it had back. the big old plug on the back. And, and, and something about it just sounded better than at the time, which was, I'd say, 85, 86. Holy crap. Um, I think you're older than that, actually. Yeah, they're older than that. Yeah. But w when I got a hold of them, it was probably about that time. I had an MXR and a Tube Screamer and all that kind of right. stuff. And uh, it just it just sounded like a cranked amp, you know. And that's all I wanted to hear was a cranked amp mm -hmm. in my bedroom. And uh, so that, that, that pedal to me always has like a soft spot in my heart. Awesome. And... Uh, Actually, I'm building a pedal that's based on that right now. Oh, very cool. Yeah. With the cord? With the cord. <laughs> the big plug in the back? <laughs> it's extra big, actually. <laughs> it's a four-pronger. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, what do you have for number three? The uh, the uh, Electroharmonics LPV-1. Okay. Which is the staple, the beginning of preamp uh, external overdrives as, as far as i'm concerned it's, okay. a, it's a single transistor very simple um and and some of the stuff that i've done is based on that if you want to find the ultimate in overdrives as far as like just a single like a 10 to 15 dv because they all varied 10 to 15 dv punch in the okay nuts okay you know that's what you want to get uh, unfortunately, they didn't come as pedals. They were like external plugins. That you, they were like the first kind of external plug. You plugged them into the guitar, and then you plugged the guitar right. cord oh, yeah. into the yeah. box, and you turned it on with a big old switch. It, was, it wasn't very practical, but that was the beginning of that whole thing, and it, it just kicked ass. How about number four? The Ibanez Analog Delay. Okay. 1984. The purple ones. Yep. Or pinkish, or yeah. whatever they were. Those things just always sounded like not tape, but something in between tape and digital. And I don't know what they did. Thing that they do that doesn't exist anywhere to this day. And and so um, we're coming out with something that's in that. I think eighty eighty. Yeah. With a better yeah. switch. Okay. That's it for your four, right? Sure. Because that's only four. Awesome. Thank you I so much. I got one more, though. You got one more? Give it to him. Okay. <laughs> okay. Eric, I've got us. five or six, so I don't know. No, Pick I'm four. just kidding. The four on the floor would be, um, I, without a doubt, I, I can't do without a wah pedal. I play like a 68 King wah. I don't know if you've ever seen them. They're just like real rounded off, funky looking things. Um, Italian made. Who, and, who makes uh, it? King? They're actually made uh, by Jen. Um, they're made by Jen Watt. They're Italian. They're that, Vox. Oh, they're yeah. Vox. It's a Vox Watt pedal. Okay, it's Vox King Watt. Watt, it was called. And okay. it's, just a, it's just a really kooky old thing. That's, that's a just, great name for a band. 
No, that's terrible. <laughs> and they have the, you know, the iCarb pot and all that stuff, but they're just like extremely vocal. I mean, just like very kind of noisy almost, but just, yeah. you know, you can just hear all of that. Yeah, and I can't, right. and I just, uh, can, I can honestly, when I don't have one, I feel like, um, naked. Okay. Um, you know how Morley had the, uh, the optical sure. thing. I have now, a few of those. Kingwa that, that had, did so, this have the, the pot thing pot. with the lead? Oh, and, sure. And no, it's wow. just like the wah pedal that we all became comfortable right. with. But just the one that I have is a really hard to find weird one. That's just a king wah. And they made king wahs later. And most of them, they still have the chrome top and stuff. But uh, this one is just a particular one that they came out in 68. And it's just like real rounded off. And, and it just looks uh, weird. Just yeah, it's real. really cool. Right on. Awesome. Um, the other thing is would be a... A super fuzz of a Univox, like a mid seventies, uh, those pinkish with the blue switch. Uh, just love them. I don't know. They're noisy too. Again, they're they're problematic, and you, you have to change. I change out the jacks and stuff on them and everything, but uh, they're just awesome. They're unbelievable. Yeah. They're not of this earth. So cool. Yeah. So I got a question about the old vintage pedals, man. Can you can you replace some of the parts in them and yet keep? The, absolutely and keep the same tone absolutely and all that kind of thing absolutely if you know what you're doing it. yeah yeah and you can it, the tough part i think with some of the a lot of the um stuff that was like a lot of the univox stuff um they uh and it's amazing because i love japanese uh stuff but uh and and they're brilliant electronics but um, there was a cheapness to them too so right. it, it, they can be problematic as a pro player or whatever you're playing gigs there's nothing worse than a switch that goes out it's like you know but uh they um but sonically they were just off the charts i mean come right. on if you ever get on one of those things it's truly like it's dragging you down the road you know what i mean and it's just <laughs> like hang on for dear life it's amazing well, that's cool yeah. um that is cool all right and another you. one would be a, a another univox pedal univibe which we everybody seems to be familiar with that too but uh that would be i mean from desert islands kind of stuff that's what this is for. this is a question i always had um, is it desert island because if you're in the desert, how is it you're on an island? I, I never made sense to me. <laughs> yeah, that's a type of island. It's or is on. it deserted? It's a desert or is it just kind of twisted into no, desert island? No it's, 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 it's an, an island deserted surrounded island. by water that has turned into a desert. Now that's interesting. <laughs> See, I never understood that. So and it's like it's just like Bugs Bunny when he was just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They might have a yeah. palm tree, right? There, but yeah. it's mostly awesome. Only one. So it happens when you take the wrong turn yeah. at Albuquerque. Sure. Okay, so the Univox or the Univibe, what about uh, the that? fourth pedal? Um, th this is where I, I would tear my hair out deciding on the fourth pedal, but one of them would be a um, a, a music, Musitronics. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this stuff. This is all old stuff, so I don't know. There's a lot of new pedals out there that are super cool, and I love them all, but these were ones I would pick. Because there were ones I gigged with for years, Musitronics. Yeah, they made Mutron threes. They made oh, okay. Uh, okay. okay. They made an octave divider yeah. that is just to die for, and it had all kinds of selections of how you can manipulate the octave. Yeah, so they're they're like uh, for keyboards, I think originally. I don't know for yeah. that for sure. But uh, Neil Young used them. Um, yeah, I don't know many other people. Them. Yeah, the original ones are like five to seven hundred bucks. Maybe. Right. Yeah. And up uh, to you could spend two grand on an old. Uh, tell me Neutron. about it. Yeah. No, I had to, I had a pair of them. And they were just robbed. Me want me. it? Yeah. No, they're just wonderful <laughs> though. I mean, honestly, and they were such a big part of my sound when I used to play a lot. 
and uh, I could never do without them. And you can't, uh, Octavias are great, and I love Octavias of the various different variations of that. But uh, there's something to be said about the, the, the octave divider that Mutron made. Awesome. Yeah, very cool. So I'll leave it at that. Right but, on. Uh, well, I love the four on the floor. And I hope you guys do too. Make sure that you check out the website for all of the four on the floors, past, present, and future. We got that was, some really that was interesting ones. Eight on the floor today. That was an eight on the floor. So that'll be two separate posts that we're going to put out. That's right, two separate posts. So we are here because Gabriel from Echo Park Guitars uh, is with us, and we've been talking to him for a little bit. Very interested to get him on the show. He's kind enough to drive all the way from Detroit. Detroit Rock City. Sure. Come down and hang out with us in our studio, and we're just we're just having a ton of fun. Um, for those who are, uh, you know, not wondering how this all went down, or maybe you're not, but I'm just going to tell you anyways. We talked for at least an hour before we even started rolling with the show because we're just like, it was great, great conversation. So eager to share it with you. So Echo Park Guitars. Let's just kind of establish the scene real quick uh, so we can see these in the hands of... Uh, Aerosmith, Jackson Brown, uh, Queens of the Stone Age. One of my absolute personal mega favorites. I'm going to need one of your booster pedals here to jack yeah, up your voice. Give him a 12 dB boost. Eagles of Death Metal. Um, actually, uh, my, my friends in Los Angeles, Dave Osti and... Uh, um, so who, wait, let's say it one more uh, time. Also, also Motley. Oh yeah, Oza Motley. Okay, yeah. Greg Lee's, um, th there's there's a long there's list. a long list. But so point point being is these are in the hands of some pretty influential players. I think that gives us a little bit more visibility to a boutique builder. Um, you, you know, it, you didn't just come along in the last five years and start building. You've been building a long time. We're gonna get into that. But that said, you're still below the radar of most of the big brands, which is why you're on the show. Yeah. And uh, you're making all of your guitars by hand, hand-selected wood. We're going to get into all that good stuff. So Take Echo us Park, back to the very back. beginning. Yes. <laughs> Not the very beginning. How about just the beginning of, of, of what made you start building guitars? Well, I, I had just out of high school. I had gotten a gig working for Leo and uh leo and, fender yeah yeah the Cla actual leo fender the actual clarence yeah. leo fender yes and uh I, and I, and and uh, before that i worked i was apprenticing for a classical guitar maker out in monrovia california okay. and he he knew uh george Fullerton really well and he, and he uh he, he was getting ready to retire and he said hey you should maybe you know do this instead and production guitar work and I said then eh, you know uh, I was kind of into doing classical and, and just I was content with that you know and um but he he was quitting so he gave me a number and he set up the interview actually I didn't have anything to do with it he set up the interview and said okay you you're gonna go down here on this day and go see these guys and I didn't really know anything about GNL I knew about Leo and Leo Fender, but I didn't know about GNL. And so on the way down there, this is like six o'clock in the morning. I was taking a bus <laughs> down to, down to oh, Fullerton yeah. at six in the morning oh, to man. go, you know, do the, do this interview in Fullerton. And um, so on the way down there, I had a pamphlet and I had a, a magazine that had a, a review, I guess, of it's an early guitar player magazine. 
and uh, had a review of 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 the Clarence of Leo's operation, and um, so I, I kind of prepared myself. And by the time I got down there, I was infatuated with the idea. So when I got to the interview, I finally, I, you know, I sat down with Leo was at a table and George Fullerton, John Rodriguez, and Ed Seafest, who I think he works at uh, Collings Guitars now, actually, okay. at Seafest, and uh, sat down with those guys and they interviewed me and, and, uh, wanted to know my qualifications <laughs> and I, I had none and uh, other than the guitar that I brought with me that I built and so okay. I, I I showed them the guitar and and Leo just Leo had suffered a couple of strokes by then so he wasn't very mobile and he wasn't very uh he couldn't talk very well so he but he 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 looked at it and he shook my hand and he had an iron grip and he and he nearly crushed my hand Oh, and, wow. and he nodded at me, and he went. He mumbled something in 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 acceptance, and uh, that was all I remember. And the next day, I was in the wood shop, learning how to run the pin routers, and um, the most dangerous tool in any wood shop, I might add, other than a shaper, is the pin router. And uh, so I mastered that in about two weeks. What does a pin router do? A pin router basically was was uh, developed, I think, in the '40s, and they they're a huge machine that has a, a, a overhead arm. Yeah, an overhead Over arm, arm comes oh. down, and you have a template underneath the material, and you you use the pin that's coming up from the table to guide the material. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's what they used to do all the, if you go, there's, I think on YouTube, there's a video of the early Fender factory. And oh, you right. can see some of the, the guys. 50s, yeah. Yeah. Doing that. And that's what, I, that's so, these, these are like what? 20 horse motors on those things. They're yeah. Just they will, monsters. they will take your arm off. Yeah. And, oh, and boy. so that's what I learned on in, in wow. about two weeks. And, and so in about two weeks, the guy that was running the body, making department at GNL quit and I took over. Oh, <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> so, Baptism by fire. Yeah, so I was right. 19 years old and I was, you know, making all the, and so like within like a month, Will Ray and the Hellcasters started, we started doing that, that line of stuff. And then, um, you know, just a bunch of guys like that, that old Bakersfield cats and stuff like that, that he was getting into. It was just phenomenal. You know, I, I, I knew, like, on the bus ride down there at 6 in the morning, I was like, okay, this is, you know, this might have the potential of changing my trajectory in life at this point. So so I'm going to, like, dive into it. So I, I dedicated, you know, the rest of his life to to him, you know, of, of my time. I, I showed up every day at 7.30 in the morning, and uh, it was an amazing journey and uh, Ed Seavest, I think, and I were the only guys in the whole factory that really understood, like, how important this was to yeah. us as players. And um, I, can't, uh, I can't stress enough how, how blessed I felt every day, just walking in there and leaving tired and dirty, uh, getting on the bus to go home for a three-hour bus <laughs> <laughs> day, you know, it was worth it. It was. It was so. And I knew it at the time. I didn't. I didn't ever doubt that it was worth it. I always knew that, that this would 
the, 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 even if it's just then, even if that's all I did then, that would be enough for me, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and I lived uh, day to day on that. I couldn't yeah. imagine the feeling you had when you shook his hand, when he accepted you into the family, the, the Leo Fender handshake. Yeah, no, it's still to this day is uh, e emotional, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, and then the day that we laid him to rest, you know, I was there and, and put the put the flowers on his casket. Surprisingly to me, there was no Eric Clapton's or any of those guys in the crowd. It was just a small group of people, family and factory workers, uh, Will Ray and a couple of guys people like that. People that really mattered. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> that that were there and, and, and really shared the moment. It was raining and stormy and all that kind of stuff. And it mm -hmm. was an atypical kind of uh, funeral day in Fullerton and we, we left the procession and, and, and went a to atypical because for those who don't know, Fullerton is not a rainy area and it never rains in Southern California ever. And it rained that particular day it, and it came down in buckets, you know, and, and we left there and went and got drunk somewhere and, 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 uh, yeah, and uh, that's what you do. And I remember and ran the pin router. <laughs> yeah, but that that day something left, you yeah. know, me inside, and I was like, okay. So the next day I walked in and I quit job and I mm. went to work for another guy. And um, but that was enough for me at that time. I, I mm. figured if I didn't if I didn't manufacture another guitar, I was cool. You know? Yeah, I, I I felt like I was cool. Ironically, that next day is when I asked uh, the new owners, the John McLaren Jr., if I could take a minute and have a little time in, in Leo's lab. So I took a, I, and he said, yeah, sure, go ahead, you know? And so his, Leo's lab was right next door to the wood shop. And it was just a little tiny office and it had a loft above it, just a little tiny loft with a little wooden staircase kind of ladder thing going up. And I, I said, can I, you know, go in there and just have a minute and just kind of hang out and absorb it? Because I knew I was going to quit right. the next day. And so I went in there and I, I was kind of rummaging and looking through the paperwork and just kind of, you know, just just looking at his signature on different documents and, and touching the desk and you know, writing with the pencils and, 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 and touching, you know, different objects that were in there. Uh, you know, he had a lot. He he had a lot of like uh, trinkets and and different uh, prototypes of of tremolos and pickups and just things like that that I thought were interesting, and some drawings. This is pre cell phone, pre Facebook, right. pre selfie, so he couldn't do any of that stuff. And uh, the one thing that caught my attention was a, a little ladder that went up to this crossfit. And I thought, well, it would be interesting if I could find anything up there. So I crawled up the ladder into the <laughs> crawl space and it was, it was out of a Stephen King movie or novel, whichever you prefer. Um, there was a beam of light coming through the outside uh, vents and onto this little section of the attic crawl space. And in that crawl space, the outline was a guitar body covered in dust and I crawled over to this thing in hopes that it would be like a 52 telly or yeah. something like that. 
What was that movie, The Raiders of the Lost Ark? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It was one of those moments where it was like, oh. I found the I grail. I found the grail. <laughs> and I was dusting it off, and I was like kind of bummed out because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. But I was like, underneath was the templates, and, I, and there was the blueprint. And I could see all the lines and the dates and everything. I was like, oh, this is one that never made it out the factory. You have the blueprints. And this right. is one that kind of never was. And it was a 1969 prototype from the uh, Trisonic R&D period, which was before they started doing the Music Man stuff, after CVS had just Fender. And, uh, and I took them down. And I, there was a few other things, like a prototype tremolo and some other stuff. And, uh, and I brought it down, and I, I dusted it off, and I looked at it, and I thought, how am I going to get this out of this office? <laughs> how am I going to keep it? I got to add this, you know, this is, this is something really unique and special, and I want it, you know? And so, so I, uh, I, uh, I walked outside and I had this stuff in a case cause I held, I found an old T-base case up there too. And I had the stuff in the case and I opened it up and George McLaren Jr., standing there with the beer i said hey uh you know i found this stuff upstairs it's kind of just whatever can i can i have it and he said yeah take it you know and uh i said okay i I shut the case and i what can i stuff in this case yeah (laughs) no i just i just shut the thing and walked to the bus off and split and that was the last time i ever went back there until about night about 2007 no, 2008, I went okay. back there. And um, anyway, so I drugged that guitar around me, you know, around L.A. and, you know, Southern California from that date until 2008. Mm. And, uh, and you still have it, though. I made a neck for that guitar. and Yeah, I still have it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is weirdly amazing because the thing is just like it's a... Uh, it's like the test guitar or whatever, but it's just super cool. You pick the thing up and there's some serious, uh, you get the chills playing it, but it just kills too. It's just a killer guitar. <laughs> it's cool. Wow. It's awesome. Really cool. What a great story. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. But no, I, so I got on the bus and I took the thing home and I had a neck that I had made at the, in the shop at the time yeah. with Ed. And I put the thing together and I had like a lefty tram and all this other goofy kind of box of stuff that I had. I was just like, I want to play this thing, you know. And I put it together and I started playing it immediately. And, and uh, you know, it just became my Excalibur kind of thing. I was never really a Strat guy, never really a, a Telly guy, never really a Les Paul guy. More into juniors and more into like old Supros and Valcos and that kind of thing. And this kind of fit into that realm. And so I was very comfortable as, as a player, you know, kind of being able to tailor it into like what I wanted it to That's be. That's awesome. Do you have pictures of it? Everywhere. <laughs> you got you to post one. I mean, I do. people are going to hit me. Oh, yeah. 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 We got to see what this thing yeah. looks like. You got to throw yeah. a picture up yeah. for us or it's, send me one and I'll well, put it up. It's, it's the Clarence Custom is what I call it. Okay. Oh, okay. And, uh, the model that that's, you have. That's, okay. That's the Clarence Custom. Oh, oh, well, that makes the sense real now. The real the one. The real one. The, the, the Clarence. Yeah. That's the one that he Yeah. So 
Todd, we've had it all along. Yeah, the Clarence custom model is the what? replica of that exact guitar. Okay. Yeah. See? Mine so wait, so wait that's, the, that's the one that was based off of the one? So the Clarence custom is, is uh, yeah, all the set, all the, uh, excuse me, all the, the bolt neck guitars that are telly-ish looking are based off of that. Oh wow! It's an old telly body up to it. It's it's slightly different. They're, they're, they're just, I, it's it's um improvements, if you will. I mean, just in in its its cuts and its routes. You know, you have to. But this particular one though that Gabriel has is just the it's the coolest. Yeah, <laughs> Leo. We need a picture of that. It yeah, was his you gotta. I mean, if if you wouldn't mind, it would be yeah, great yeah, to yeah. share that with the audience. No, that 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 story, I mean, <laughs> that's great. Well, the, the, it it was it was a a really unique punctuation to to the end of what I thought was was an era in 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 humanity. Period. I Many mean, will agree with you on. That. Yeah, I mean, like like uh, if you look back at the the uh, just the uh, modern production period, you know, uh, yeah. punctuating on on to you know uh, Henry Ford and going in that direction. You know, right. Leo, Leo took Leo took uh, what Henry did and turned it into musical, you know, instruments and inspiration for a whole nother you know uh, lifestyle, if you will. So going from going from that experience, so off you go on the bus. Let's see if we can say fast forward to Echo Park, the origin of Echo Park guitars. Get past the 90s. <laughs> yeah, let's not. Yeah, the nineties. Uh, actually, what happened is is, is uh, actually after GNL, I went to work for a guy named Taco Sono. And he uh, he was actually building for like Lukather and and Vi and and Zappa and guys like that. He actually was in tandem responsible for like the mail order guitar, the the whole uh, yeah the whole mail order guitar you know thing um, at the time, which you know Warmoth wound up dominating actually, but. But he he was the L.A. warmoth basically, and uh, he Japanese guy, and he had an attention to detail that was beyond what any of those like he was just crazy, and so we we you know I I, I apprenticed for him out of GNL era, and uh, I had a production thing you know about me that I was used to just kind of stamping out stuff and. Yeah. routing and he the first day with him was like here's a die grinder here's some necks you're gonna shape necks with a okay die grinder today <laughs> and that's what you're gonna do for the next month and 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 so i learned how to shape necks with a die grinder for a month wow and we actually did all the um roger sadowski um it was a lot of um oh who's that Space guy, uh, Tobias Spaces, uh, so it's Tobias, um, all that kind of like fledgling boutique mm -hmm. guitar stuff, mm -hmm. and the, yeah, the beginning much. of like the the real high end kind of revolution stuff, um, all the USA custom Ibanez stuff, all the neck throughs, uh, 
and it got into all that stuff real heavily, like immediately out of production at, at, at GNL. So that was like baptism by fire, you know? And uh, he taught me so much about like different woods and how they kind of married and what didn't work and what worked. And, and uh, you know, we used a lot of Coco Bolo. We used a lot of Brazilian. We used a lot of ebony. We used a lot of maple. We used a lot of different stuff to kind of combine. And it was kind All of, of which are now making a huge, uh, I guess, maybe comeback. Yeah, it was goofy because it was like at the time I was like just used to swamp ash and maple and <laughs> you know, alder. And, and so for me, it was like, okay, this is kind of goofy, but okay. And, and so he turned me on to like all the real traditional stuff up to Fender and then beyond. And and so I got a real immersement in 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 of marrying woods together. Yeah, right? yeah, and then and also glues, different glues and different finishes, and 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 and, and uh, the different use of the metal materials like steel versus brass and things like that, and uh, neck pitches and how they related to the string tension and things like that. Uh, and and that's where the the little the idiosyncrasies and, and and dynamic and the interplay between different wood species and things like that. That's where I kind of like get got my education, and so, and he was self taught from Japan. His wife actually financed the business, the ten thousand dollar loan. Nice. So I got my first introduction into actual small business stuff as well. Looking back, I can go, okay, he kind of like conditioned me to like do what I do now, you know, in a lot of ways. And, 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 uh, about 10 years ago, eight years ago, I think eight years ago, I sent him an email. I said, Hey, thanks, man. It's just like, you know, but, you know, I, 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 so that was the beginning for me. It was really like in, a, a professional production facility and then into professional production boutique instruments at the cusp of the whole oh, yeah. thing, you know? So I really coming from, you know, LA and, and, and being a, a raised in the ghetto, you know, and, and just listening to a lot of Sabbath and Jackson Brown and Gordon Lightfoot and, Savoy Brown and Led the Zeppelin. The only time Sabbath and Gordon Lightfoot have ever been <laughs> and Jackson Brown, and Jackson Brown said in the same sentence. Right? No, my, my, dad, my, my, my parents were key in, in like, uh, you know, uh, enlightening me. Sure. You know, they didn't just educate me, they enlightened me. And, and I lived under the Davy Grand for a year or two before I even started playing guitar. Mm. And um, and when when I started playing guitar, it was after Hend hearing Hendrix at Woodstock. You know, it wasn't after the Beatles or, or you know, Gordon Lightfoot or James right. Brown or any of that stuff. It was after hearing Hendrix at Woodstock. I said to my dad, I was I had already had a guitar when I was three, but I, but I was about ten, and I said, hey. You know, can you, can you, how's about to get one of those instead, you know? And, 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 
and and uh, and so I finally got a guitar, and it was a, an old uh, was a Tosca. Yeah, it was an old Tosca. Yeah, it was a like an old kind of mm. Supra thing. Sure. And I got that and that little Gretsch amp. And I think I was about, you know, 11, 12, something like that. And immediately the next day, I took it all apart. I took everything apart. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. I dissected it. You know, and my dad was pissed. My mom was pissed. And they were both mad at me. But because but, they spent like 400 bucks, you know. And I took everything apart. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, all of a sudden, you know, uh, that was the beginning. You know, that was that was where I, I started. This whole thing was was I think my dad's an artist. My dad's a visual. He he does uh, oil paintings and all that kind of stuff. And my mom was just uh, crazy, you know, awesome but nuts. <laughs> and uh, and I think I got it. You know that kind of thing from from that. You yeah. know, just to so get right in the middle is what you're trying to say. Yeah, just somewhere yeah. <laughs> in the middle of that whole thing. So, so I had no choice but to. Sure. To, so, how long did it take you to put the guitar and the amp back together, or did they ever go back together? No, it took about a week. Yeah. Yeah, it took about a week, and and uh, they were very like, they didn't care actually. Just that I was doing something other than being in the avenues of the Cypress Park gang or right smoking PCP. Or, you know that kind of thing. Sure. Other anything other than that was that was cool. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't. You know, participating. And for reference, just for in case people are wondering, you know, you're making a couple of references to, I think you know, obviously where the name comes from. So Echo Park is a famed part of Los Angeles. It's the ghetto. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's one. Part. It's one of them. Yeah. So, anyways, you get to uh, now. You're off to so we've 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 dropped the Echo Park sort of reference in the name, and we've got your history behind you. How does Echo Park start? So that was part one of two part series with Echo Park guitars. It's a lot of information we're covering, and we're really appreciative to them for sharing their stories. Um, make sure you catch part two coming up next, uh, the next episode that we release. So um, huge thanks to Echo Park Guitars. Again, we'll look for episode number two to hear the conclusion to this awesome interview with everybody. Subscribe! Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs visit our website at the guitar for all of our past episodes four on the floor blog and other good stuff you can connect with us on social too at our facebook page and share your gear and stories on our facebook group also be sure to check out our instagram at guitar knobs catch you next time